on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that mask man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. Here is some genre-related news before today's discussion. The date for theatrical release of Wonder Woman 1984 has been pushed back again. The new date is October 2nd, 2020. Hopefully, theaters will be operating with pandemic safety guidelines by that time. Warner Brothers seems committed to having this big-budget tentpole movie that had originally been intended for summer season open in theaters rather than streaming. Only time will tell. There may be light on the horizon for the resumption of production on Marvel's Disney Plus original series. Loki actress Sofia DiMartino has made a new post on Instagram that alludes to a restart in shooting. There have been rumors that filming on Loki, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and WandaVision could all resume in July. The rumor, while unconfirmed by Marvel, does coincide with resumption of other major productions at other studios. More on this as it develops. And some sad news last week as legendary comic book writer-editor Denny O'Neill passed away on June 11th. That's the focus of today's show, which we'll get right back to after I introduce today's panel. I am joined by F.F. Uh, Stalwart. He is a former editor for Wildstorm and Chaos Comics. He's also fabulous author and reviewer, Drew Bittner. Ooh, hello. Uh, uh, there you go. All right. We also have joining us uh, once again, uh, hasn't been on the show a whole lot, but at least one time before. He is the curator of the Cartoon Art Museum. He's also an author. One of his more recent works is Batman, the Definitive History of the Dark Knight. He is Andrew Farrago. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thanks for having me back. I'm, I'm distancing myself all the way to California, so we are on opposite coasts here. <laughs> well, we are surely not going to get infected from you. And a newcomer, first-time person to the show. But uh, let me tell you, his geek cred is solid, and he is hand-picked like everybody else. <laughs> he is a retropreneur. He is a marketing executive and business consultant. And a recent addition to the faculty of Ithaca College, where his most interesting class is one on comic conventions. He is Ed Cato. Welcome to the show, Ed. Hey, Ulysses. Thanks for having me. So glad to be here. Now, um, uh, regrettably, because of the way that I am compelled to do the show right now, uh, because we are recording earlier in the week, the show actually airs, of course, on Saturday afternoon. It's like we're at a time warp. For you, it's Saturday afternoon and you're listening to this show. But something that happened last week that actually happened too late for me to include it as a news item, but it was the uh, sad passing of uh, Denny O'Neill, longtime comics writer, editor. I mean, in fact, I probably shouldn't even try to uh, insult his memory by limiting 
uh, who and what this man was and what he meant to comics and uh, particularly what he meant to fans of comics and fans of Batman because while there is so much stuff that he did and of course he worked for Marvel he worked for DC uh, you know he he worked for independent comic companies um, he he wrote uh, like I said he was an editor but uh, certainly uh, among his most enduring was his contribution to the Batman mythos. Uh, among the characters he created were Rachel Ghoul, uh, the Echo Terrorist, and his daughter Talia, and that uh, head of the demon storyline, uh, one of the most influential in the history of the Dark Knight, and again, steering him back to his darker roots. So, what we're going to do, we're going to start out, uh, each of us is going to talk a little bit about uh, his favorite uh, Denny O'Neill story and, and character. Uh, Ed, since you are a newcomer to the show, we're going to start with you. Oh, sure. Um, like so many of us, the Batman stuff very much impacted me. I, I think that the just to touch upon that a little bit, I think what he brought to the party in retrospect was this kind of mature, thoughtful Batman. So he wasn't the, the silly childlike hero and he wasn't the overly vengeful driven guy that would come later he was he was more of a nuanced uh even keel guy you know a bachelor and uh um figuring things out so many times and and and, and if you were reading comics at that certain time you know that was your batman um for me it was very much uh that Denny O'Neill Batman with his artistic collaborators, um, and and then Steve Englehart afterwards. But but Denny really set that um, up um, for me. Also, his his work on um, Green Arrow, Green Lantern was a big deal. Um, I remember a kid not really even understanding what drugs were and uh, getting those drug issues and and just realizing that oh gosh, I get I guess I shouldn't do drugs. I'm not even sure what they what they are. Um, but that um, made such an impact on me. I, I, you know, I'd wager to say more than like my local priest, you know, Denny O'Neill's Green Lantern did um, uh, on me. Um, some of the stuff that that I really like now is his obscure things. But the 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 other pillar for me was his work on the Shadow when DC in the early '70s brought back the pulp character, the Shadow, uh, illustrated. Uh, by Michael Kaluta and others like Bernie Wrightson, Frank Robbins, um, that just blew my mind and also opened up a whole venue of of pulps for me. Um, from from that series, um, you know, I learned about pulps, this kind of culturally adjacent thing to comics, and um, uh, that all started for me uh, with the Shadow and Denny O'Neill. Okay, cool. All right, uh, Andrew, what about you? So yeah, I could I could go on and on about um, Batman and the question and Green Lantern, Green Arrow, the things that he really, um, you know, he really brought humanity to these characters. Was a social justice warrior before that term was even uh, coined or in vogue, and uh, you know, there's just such um, depth to his characters and his story. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pick uh, a personal favorite 
which is Superman versus Muhammad Ali. And that one's actually been on my mind because we're here at the, um, it was about four years ago that we lost Muhammad Ali. Uh, this week, Neil Adams, uh, influential, great comic book artist, celebrated his 79th birthday. Uh, so that one's, that one's actually been on my mind this week. And again, the title, Superman versus Muhammad Ali, how could you pass that up? And it's it's a comic that um, you know DC uh, had to do very long, complex negotiations with Muhammad Ali and his people uh, to make this book happen. Uh, you know, you can imagine it's 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 a book uh, from the title. It's got it's got no right to be a decent story to be anything. Um, you know memorable but here it is 40 years later and it's such a fun entertaining comic you have to track it down it's uh they found a way to actually have muhammad ali beat super one-on-one boxing match uh you know it saves the earth uh from destruction we're obviously still here today because they were able to put aside their differences come together and and save the universe and it's it's a wonderful art job and again the story by denny o'neill uh you know a million times better and more fun than it had any right to be and uh absolutely everybody should check that one out Mm -hmm. yeah and i I, one thing that i appreciate uh, andrew in fact both you and ed mentioned the artistic collaborations and uh, neil adams uh, you know for both um, the uh, well, actually, everything well, almost everything you guys have mentioned so far. But Superman versus Muhammad Ali, uh, you know, the run on Batman, uh, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, you know, all of these, uh, you know, O'Neill was collaborating with Neil Adams. Uh, so really great stuff. So Drew, what about you? Actually, I I know what you're going to say. <laughs> well, um, geez, since we know each other so well, Yuli, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, the question, isn't it? <laughs> It's the question. You, you, you've answered your own question. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been a fan of O'Neill's for years. Um, just deeply, deeply impressed with all of his contributions to the art form as writer and as editor. Um, the one that I'm picking to talk about is, of course, his work on The Question, which he did with, um, with Dennis Cowan and with, a, with a, some, other, some other artists over the run of the book. But um, it was really interesting because it was really a long-form exploration of what, what being a vigilante a mystery man does to you over time and um the impact that it has and and we see how it affects vic sage the central character um he questions not only who he is but how he does things and and why and what's the what's the end goal here you know what what's he really want to accomplish in the world and you know the truth is he's he's coming up with these answers and he's finding out that it's not great all the time it's not necessarily a life that anybody wants to live and and there's some real some real existential angst and and tragedy in the story that that o'neill is telling here and it's um it's a great long-form story written in an era where nobody was really doing long-form stories with a definite conclusion to them so so that's my that's my nominee 
No, and I, I appreciate that one again. And see, you were you were teasing me. You're like, oh, you know me so well, but I do. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, yes, for you me, <laughs> yeah, for me, and and uh, you know, I'm I, hey, look, I'm going to beat this dead horse just a little as I'm as I'm moving down the road because uh, you know everybody talks about uh, you know, Batman, uh, everybody talks about Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Um, for me, and and of course, hey, all that stuff, it's great. Um, Probably greater than the run that Im- really impressed me, but Iron Man happens to be my favorite Marvel character. And uh, between uh, issue, I think it's 160 and like 201, Denny O'Neill uh, was writing that character. And some of the stuff that he did during that particular period of Tony Stark's history, because uh, he, he brought him back to being an alcoholic. And in fact, took him out of the armor altogether and elevated his friend James Rhodes to Iron Man. And I couldn't believe what I was reading. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, first off, just because you you take this hero and there's the incredible reversal uh, on this heroic journey. But then to take this kind of obscure African-American character that had been a supporting character up to that point and to put him in that role. And this wasn't just like, a five ten issue stint. I mean, he was Iron Man for like two years. <laughs> they had a bunch yeah. of stuff. It was like, oh my god, look at this! And and it was some really great stuff. And and then when he did finally bring Tony Stark back to the role, uh, he he got him a new armor. It was the Silver Centurion armor, and uh, you know the um, start of the West Coast Avengers, and you know just uh, you know a really watershed moment for the character. And in that case, he was collaborating with, uh, I want to say it was Luke McDonald, who was the artist uh, on that work, but still fantastic stuff. So you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. Uh, I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I am joined today by Ed Cato, Andrew Farrago, and Drew Bittner. And we are talking about the sad passing of a comics legend. So, um, we have each talked a little bit about, uh, hey, we, we, I said I didn't want to go down the rabbit hole on this, but uh, we can do another round of some of his work that we like. <laughs> so, sure. uh, heck, let's, let, let's start that again. Ed, what's something else that, you, that uh, Denny O'Neill has done that you really liked that had a big influence on you? Oh, sure. Well, you know, um, these past couple of years, I've been uh, finding some stuff that just astound me. And I'm not sure if they, it fits in that big influence category, Ulysses, but um, uh, there's some crazy stuff out there. He wrote for Stan uh, a lot of issues of um, uh, Patsy Walker and the companion title, Hetty and Patsy. Get out. Patsy and Hetty, I guess it was. Yeah, mm. so so this was kind of like you know the girl in the big city type uh, uh, type story. They're absolutely charming. They're absolutely nuts. But um, you know they're they're um, the the ones later in the run are Denny O'Neill's stories. And you know reading that reading the you know picking them up and it's always a gem to find one by him. And you know just kind of thinking like what was you know this this guy doing? Um, I think that it's probably the mark of a, a very fine writer that um, that he could adapt and and 
do such a nice job with this kind of obscure genre, um, you know, and then kind of do social justice stuff or things like the question year later. So, um, so that, that's, that's really fun. Also, I, I will say before this happened just recently, I read a, um, a short prose story of the Lone Ranger that Denny wrote. It was a, um, a Moonstone anthology collection, a bunch of short stories, um, cool guys like Chuck Dixon and Paul Kupperberg also contributed. And there was a great story by Denny. And again, um, you know, it just shines. It shines in the anthology and uh, was a, a great um, a great treat. So I think some of those obscure ones for me lately, Ulysses, are, are the fun ones. I saw something on your um, social media just recently where uh, there was something. In fact, I, it, it, for all I know, it might have been that. But I think it was uh, some obscure anthology uh, on which... Uh, Denny O'Neill had made a contribution. That's right. That was that was another obscure anthology called Superheroes from like 95 or 90, 94, 95. And he had a story in that that was um, about a guy who was kind of like a bicycle messenger who, who got superpowers. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it's 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 kind of nutty. Right. Kind of crazy. But um, it, it's a good ride. And. You know, I think all of Denny's stuff had that um, that ability to kind of captivate you. And, you know, you felt like, I don't know, I always felt like he was such a thoughtful guy writing all the stuff he writes. Maybe maybe that doesn't quite show through with the Patsy Walker stuff. But, um, you know, you get the impression it's a very thoughtful guy. And, you know, you're just looking at the tip of the iceberg, you know, the stuff that he wants to present as an author. Um, but there's a lot more uh, deep down to it. Mm. Well, and, and I appreciate that because uh, it, it, sometimes we forget as fans that it, it's, it's earning a living. And, uh, you know, I mean, Denny took it really seriously. But, uh, you know, yeah, when you're writing Patsy Walker, you know, it's, uh, hey, you, you're getting a check for doing yeah, this stuff. You got to pay the and, rent, brother. Gotta yeah. Pay. And, and you got to make it interesting, too, you know. So, sure. uh, but to be somebody you know, who can do all that. Uh, it's, um, it's just really something. All right. Hey, uh, Andrew, uh, second round here. What else? And, and, oh, by the way, really good call on that uh, Superman versus Muhammad Ali. Uh, I, I got to say, as a kid, it, it, when, when we found out that Muhammad Ali beat Superman bloody, <laughs> we were like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> and so I understand that there had to have been a lot of negotiations with Ali's camp because... He surely said that, that was, he was going to yeah. have to win that I mean, one. That's, that's brilliant. I mean, his yeah, uh, his his people. I mean, they insisted. I've got to. He's got to beat Superman in a fight. And Denny, to his credit, figured out. You know, how can we do this in a way that's that's plausible? That is, you know, this, this is a ridiculous sentence, but fair to both Muhammad Ali and Superman. And he he found a way. Um, and you know it's um you know i could i could fill a full hour talking about denny's impact on comics but i think it's interesting to look at some of his influence beyond comics you mentioned iron man and there are characters in that first iron man movie that come right out of uh, what denny brought to the character um you wouldn't have that story that whole storyline with Rhodey and iron man 2 you don't get that uh without denny's run on the character that 
animated series, a lot of that, that, that sensibility can be traced to his time. Um, and I'll also mention, you know, Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. They draw heavily from uh, a series where Denny was the first writer uh, called Legends of the Dark Knight. And this is a, a series where they took a look back at uh, the early years of Batman, Batman before he was the world's greatest detective and, uh, you know, the, the supremely confident, capable crime fighter that he is today. So they he did a story set in, uh, he did a series set in Batman's past before, uh, while he was still learning. And I don't think you get Batman begins without that. And there's also a story he did illustrated by the legendary Dave Giordano. Uh, called the man who falls that um, was was practically storyboard for some of the sequences that you see in Batman so uh, again it all comes back to Denny finding the the humanity and the uh, you know what can we what can we relate to whether it's a supremely powerful demigod or just a, just a man like the question struggling um, find his place in the world so it's um, yeah it's his his impact on com actually I, here's a fun a fun bit of trivia I've ever enjoyed Transformers whether you played with the toys or watched the cartoon or see the movies uh, Denny came up with the name Optimus Prime uh, his <laughs> that character's literal name in Japanese was something boring like, you know, red truck. But Denny said, no, that needs something more majestic, interesting. We're going to call this guy Optimus. And, and um, yeah, everybody everybody should know Denny's name. Denny should be as famous as, as red truck. <laughs> and you had the opportunity to interview him on a couple of different occasions. Yeah, uh, two times. So I was writing a I wrote a history book uh, called The Harley Quinn, and in addition to interviewing her creators, uh, Paul Dini and Bruce Tim, I said, oh, this this is a pretty good excuse to talk to Denny O'Neill. And uh, his relationship to the character was pretty tangential. He was the editor, um, he was the head editor of the Batman comics line when she was... Uh, uh, folded into the DC universe when she first uh, made, the lump, made the jump from uh, the animated cartoons to the DC comics. But, you know, I'm, I gotta take that chance. I gotta, I gotta ask my editor, can you, can you hook me up with Denny O'Neill for an interview? Uh, so I had a great hour talking to him about, uh, you know, just, uh, every, every last detail I could get about his time uh, as Batman group editor, um, when when Harley Quinn came onto the scene, uh, and the next time I interviewed him was uh, in twenty, probably late twenty eighteen, uh, when I was writing a complete Batman history book, and Denny, of course, has been associated with that with that character from uh, the very late sixties all the way through uh, right around the year two thousand two thousand one, uh, so he had a you know tremendous impact on that character and. I was, again, expecting about, you know, 20, 30 minutes on the phone. He had four hours about, uh, a little bit about Batman, but about philosophy, about 
uh, his tenure at Marvel Comics about getting chewed out by Stan Lee for, uh, you know, wearing a wearing a pot hippie kind of button in the 60s. Uh, uh, and yeah, that was uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that I had those opportunities that I that I got to, um, you know, just just be in be an audience for Denny uh, talking about whatever um you know whatever he wanted to talk about politics comics uh the world around us and yeah i i uh, miss him already mm. you're absolutely before we're done with this show you're gonna have to tell us where we can hear some of those interviews <laughs> yeah hey drew what, okay. what about yeah, you yeah working on that <laughs> ah there you go <laughs> let me know if i can help <laughs> by the way <laughs> um okay Drew, yeah, so cool, cool. Um, yeah, second second pass around here. Um, um, sure. I mean, I think I think one of the things that stands out to me is is his work as an editor, both at DC and at Marvel. Um, at Marvel, I don't think it's as well known that he basically, in in a way, created the career of Frank Miller. He um, used Frank in a Spider-Man story that he wrote early on his return to Marvel. He was the editor on Daredevil and brought frank miller in to do you know the work on that book and you know he he went on to great fame and acclaim and i think that you know historians will say denny o'neill was the guy that sort of made that happen for him so so that's that's one thing um another thing is really his tenure as editor of the batman titles he was the the guy that oversaw um what was I guess considered the also ran big event at uh, DC in the late eighties, which was, you know, the, the big event um, in those days was death of Superman, you know, but the, the next one uh, up, you know, that was coming out at the same time was nightfall and nightfall, if anything was um, probably at least as consequential to the Batman stories because it created the character of Azrael who became you know, Batman, the harder edged, nastier version of, you know, Batman. And both of these big stories, Superman and Batman, were both trying to tell at the same time why that central character, why Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne, were so important. You know, that not not just anyone can put on a suit or can have the powers and do the do the things that they do. And I think it was really O'Neill that sort of kind of helped bring that into focus. So I, I want I want to cite his work as an editor because um, without that sort of deft touch, a lot of these stories may not may never have gone anywhere. A lot of careers may never have gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Uh, even if it uh, was just a shade premature, we were still talking about. I mean, and it's all part of his work and his immense contribution. But um, you know, we can uh, we can circle back around to that because, of course, that musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break because Fantastic Forum is coming to you via WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. Of course, WERA is a community radio station. That means, among other things, that we're non-commercial. We always appreciate having sponsors and underwriters for the wonderful programming and for the uh, shows for the station itself. Uh, it also means that this is some place where you can get involved and learn about radio production, uh, about television production. We have a television station that's a part of this whole thing, Arlington Independent Media. 
but you should make it your business to find out all about that today. Visit the website at WERA.FM. Find out how community media can enrich your life and your world. So what we're going to do, we're going to step aside momentarily while we acknowledge the invaluable contribution of our underwriters and sponsors. We're also going to take a couple of moments to promote some of the other fine WERA shows that are coming up later tonight. But stick around because Ed and Andrew and Drew and I will be right back with more of this special edition talking about the life and career and contribution of the great Denny O'Neill right after this. All right, and we're back here on WERA 96.7 FM with Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Drew Bittner and Andrew Farrago and Ed Cato, and we are talking about Denny O'Neill. Denny O'Neill, of course, being longtime comics writer, editor, uh, who passed away last week, uh, regrettably. Uh, It was too late to be included in last week's show, but that just means that we were able to devote an entire episode to his life and his career. And uh, when we uh, closed out the end of the first half of the show, we had been doing our second round talking about some of the work of Denny O'Neill. The thing that I'm going to mention before we sort of move on, uh, you know, to the uh, indelible imprint that he left on the medium uh, is his work on Daredevil. And uh, Drew, you alluded to some of that because, of course, uh, Denny O'Neill was the editor working on Daredevil who hired... Frank Miller, and of course, well, we all know Frank Miller. Uh, And Denny O'Neill also served as the writer on the book in between Frank Miller's stints as writer, because of course he was on the book in the uh, early 80s, uh, left, and came back. And in the meantime, uh, Denny O'Neill got on to some of that. Now, I uh, did not actually read that stuff when it came out. I gained some familiarity with it uh, afterwards. But uh, let me tell you something. If you are not familiar with the fact that Denny O'Neill wrote Daredevil, and this was around the same time that he was writing that Iron Man stuff that I really liked, uh, but it's really, really great stuff. And uh, I, I, I'm not going to spoil any of it for you, um, except to suggest that you pick this up. Um, you know, there were a lot of uh, interesting kinds of things that happened to Matt Murdock. Even the way that the character was portrayed, I mean, he was, you know, more of the uh, the dark sort of daredevil. And, and this wasn't just because, of course, Denny O'Neill didn't copy anybody. I mean, but this wasn't just kind of tacking on to uh, the back of what Frank Miller did. I mean, this was all uh, uniquely O'Neill in terms of the way that he developed the daredevil character, uh, the way that he developed the supporting characters and even the villains. Kingpin, who I still believe is a Spider-Man villain, but Daredevil kind of appropriated him. But, you know, hey, his roots are in Spider-Man, so that's where I'm going with it. But, you know, even some of that stuff. So uh, if you are not familiar with that, check that out. So, uh, like I said, in addition to having been a writer, uh, he was also an editor. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about that and, uh, you know, specifically some of the stuff that uh, had an impact on the industry. So 
Uh, Ed, I, I think it's your turn. Uh, no pressure. Um, yeah. So I, I do think the, the, the thing that he did most as an editor is probably um, running the Bat title. So here was the guy who kind of established a certain vision for Batman. And to his credit, he, he also um, created this Bat family of titles with long overarching arc, even setting up a new series, Ezreal, that he would later on write. Um, and, and that was very different than the Batman stories that he wrote. And, and I think that that, you know, came from a certain maturity and understanding of the way that the business worked. The way that those titles were set up, that interacting with it, several titles, long storyline, um, you know, new titles spinning out, is kind of a norm now. It's, it happens all the time. But when that was going on, there were only a couple other guys who were who were doing it. And, um, you know, that, that was, um, uh, that was quite a feat. I think that if I could, maybe I'll, I'll, um, split hairs just a little bit. Um, when he, in the early seventies, uh, Julie Schwartz took over the Superman titles after Mort Weisinger had had them for years and years and years and years. And they, they, they basically rebooted Superman. They didn't call it rebooting back then, but they did reboot Superman. And and Denny um, was the writer. And, and his approach was to very much humanize Superman. Um, as, a, as a young kid, I was at that point where I, I just was kind of understanding things on my own and buying my comics, picking them out on my own. And, and Superman was so different that Superman of, of those early 70s issues were so different than the things done before and it it blew my mind there's there's one superman 237 where all these people they're kind of mutated and their skin is like bubbling up and it's green and they're all screaming at superman and i remember you know asking my dad like why are these people so mad at superman you know what what did he ever do to anybody um but then as i as I kind of got into that story and went back and reread it, you know, you, I, I understood the the humanization of, of Superman. I know that Denny felt like he was not very successful on that particular run. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think history would, would, would tell him he's wrong. Um, that, that particular run was not only interesting from a story perspective, but as a way to, reboot a character and 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 kind of modify um i i think it was brilliant um uh the brass uh hated it as well and it, it all kind of was wiped away all too quickly but those those superman issues were great neil adams did a lot of the beautiful covers carmine infantino did some covers and the interior art was all uh kurt swan and murphy anderson it was just gorgeous yeah, Kurt Swan. Uh, yeah, Kurt Swan was, I mean, I know we're talking about Denny O'Neill, but since you mentioned the name, and when you started talking about sort of this, the reboot of Superman, because uh, that, that, was, that was my Superman, and uh, I, I, can, I can just see it uh, here in my mind's eye. That was yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, so uh, Andrew, uh, please, uh, you know, and particularly, uh, you know, given some of your in-depth knowledge and uh, you know, having, you know, written this uh, recent Batman book. Yeah. Uh, Denny, you know, he was a voracious reader and he had a tremendous eye for talent. So he was mentioned as 
being the editor that nurtured Frank Miller, and he actually called him, you know, that kid from Vermont. Uh, Denny's one of the few people that could have uh, talked about Frank like that. Um, but, you know, he saw something, he saw that potential, he nurtured it. He was the guy who kind of gave him, uh, you know, the green light and the uh, encouragement and the, you know, the direction that he needed to become Frank Miller with the capital F. Um, and, you know, throughout his career, uh, Denny. Then he made some interesting decisions. He he again had this great eye for talent. He, um, I'm I'm thinking of uh, Greg Rucka as another guy who, um, you know, he got his shot at the Batman books because uh, this this big no man's land storyline was happening and for DC Comics where an earthquake leveled Gotham City, all bets were off, and we were doing this this stripped down back-to-basics, uh, real-world version of Batman in Gotham City. And Greg, uh, Rucka, and Denny O'Neill had this mutual admiration society. Denny had read uh, several of Greg's novels, and they reached out to each other, hit it off, and Denny invited him uh, into the Bat family. And, you know, I think that that's one of the moments that really kind of that's one of that's one of the hiring decisions that really kicked off this trend that we see in comics, where uh, nobody's off limits. If someone writes a great screenplay, if somebody writes a great animated series, if someone uh, is a talented novelist, uh, it's it's you know probably because of of forward thinking uh, on the part of people like Denny O'Neill that that we've uh, seen editors reach out to these writers and really kind of expand the whole the whole world of comics what they could be um you know we've got we've got some amazing kid lit authors who are writing graphic novels with with iconic marvel and dc characters today and you know you might you might you can probably draw a direct line from that to um jenny's broader um sense of uh, you know, his, his, his way of thinking about this, his approach. Uh, if we do things a little bit differently, what if we nurture uh, some different talent and bring in some um, voices that we haven't heard before? And um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a tremendous impact. There are a lot of people, um, almost, there's so many people who did freelance work at DC Comics from 1986 to 2001 that I think... Um, we'll we'll sing the praises of Denny for that. Yeah, and uh, Jude, I, I appreciate that also because uh, you know, looking at uh, some old pictures uh, from from those days, you know, he was. Uh, it, it seems like he was a part of this transition that was taking place in comics, sort of from you know the old guard, you know, to these new younger guys who were coming in and. You know, had these ideas about what what the industry was, what it could be, the stories they wanted to tell, the audience they wanted to reach. So uh, that's that's a good point, Drew. You you mentioned uh, one of the biggest things uh, over at Marvel when he was an editor, and the fact that he had hired uh, Frank Miller to work yep. on the Daredevil books, which of course you know now Frank Miller is like uh, you know a, a host unto his own. 
Well, it's it's interesting. I mean, you read these missives and these notes and condolences from people that he worked with over the years, and this guy had a career that spanned, you know, more, more than fifty years in the business, and you know, it's, it's an amazing accomplishment to to have a career of that of that longevity in the first place. But I mean, the the number of lives he touched, the number of careers he touched, the number of people who looked to him as a mentor, as a teacher as a wise old man of the industry when he was still fairly young you know um it's really just amazing to to find that people didn't just respect him didn't just admire him they, they revered him in a way that's reserved for very 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 few people in any industry and i mean beyond batman beyond question or green arrow green lantern beyond his work on x-men which a lot of people do not know that he he and Denny, I'm uh, sorry, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams resurrected Professor X. You know, a lot of people don't know that. Um, beyond all that, I mean, you've got a guy that, in in his own way, has shaped not just comic books but also popular culture. I mean, you said it before, Yuli, that the the interpretation of Batman that we have today is because of what O'Neill did. You know, and that you know taking batman back to his roots as a mystery solver a crime fighter a guy that fights weird dangerous you know twisted people you know all that um that's that's a profound a profound change from where batman had been before that batman had been known as the guy from the tv show the the rather silly fellow who ran around in the daytime with a, a young companion fighting these rather absurd villains. Well, you know, O'Neill turned it around and made them serious again. But that was just one example of all that he brought to comic books. So I'm sorry, I know, I know that I'm rambling, but um, I feel like the the true measure of this of this man is something that we only see in stages. It's sort of like the, the story of the seven blind men and the elephant. You know, everyone has a different aspect, different piece that they that they have, you know, as part of the whole. So, well, I'm sorry you feel like you were rambling. I mean, I thought you were <laughs> actually pretty cogent, you know, with the with Thank the you. stuff that you were saying. I mean, and uh, and and trying to get your arms around uh, around Denny O'Neill. You know, in fact, I, I think it's also uh, interesting that you mentioned the uh, uh, incredible outpouring uh, that we saw from. Uh, so many distinguished comics talents uh, about him. And, uh, you know, that that in itself is a testimony to uh, what kind of person he was, what kind of collaborator, uh, you know, what kind of professional. Because, I mean, let's face it, not everybody in the comics industry is well-liked. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, yep. I sometimes I feel like that's kind of an outlier. You know, it's more <laughs> likely that you're some kind of prima donna, you know, if you happen to, especially if you have a long career, you know. But, uh, you know, he seemed to have, uh, to have managed it all, uh, you know, very, very well. And, um, you know, I, uh, I don't know. You know, one of the things that I note is, uh, you know, his, because um, his wife passed away, uh, uh, I guess it was about he, two years ago, maybe a year and a half. It was fairly recent. And, uh, I hadn't thought about this until, until he died, but you know, sometimes, 
you know, you, you've been married for a while and, you know, there's that connection to the person and your spouse dies and, you know, then you die. And I'm like, oh, damn, you know, I wonder if this, you know, there might have been some of that going on here, too. I mean, there was a great picture that I found. Oh, I, uh, should, of, I should hmm? chime yeah. in here. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, this is Andrew. Uh, I, I interviewed him before and after her passing mm -hmm. and... um. You know, I will say a part. I think part of the reason that he was so generous with his time the second time I interviewed him, I think he he was looking for you know distractions and, and ways to fill the time. So we, um, you know, a, a, what I thought was going to be a quick call turned into about a four hour uh, <laughs> just kind of uh, conversation and. Um, and I think I, you know, I did, I did reach out to some of Denny's friends and I told them like, yeah, if you, uh, if you're inclined, please give him a call because I think he, I think he wants, uh, I think he could use the company. So mm. I think, yeah, I think that did have a, a big impact on him. I'm glad to hear you did that. Hey, so you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Ed Cato, Andrew Farrago, and Drew Bittner. We're talking about the life and the career of uh, Denny O'Neill. And uh, one thing that I just wanted to, to throw in there, because I, I and Andrew, I really appreciate uh, your, your, uh, in, well, your, your very thoughtful and insightful comment about that, because there was, uh, I'm, I'm, well, somebody I know, a guy uh, who has the license to do the um, reproductions of the 1966 Batmobile, um, Mark Rakup with Fiberglass Freaks. And uh, Mark had posted a picture of uh, Denny and his wife uh, in one of the uh, Batmobile replicas. And, you know, the two of them look so happy and they're sitting there and, you know, you could just see that this was this was a genuine romance and uh, and that was kind of what started me thinking about that and i didn't uh, i didn't realize uh, how recently she had died so you know it's um you know the 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 weight on somebody behind that but uh you know the the one thing that i would mention in terms of his contribution is the fact that he worked i mean he worked in so many places he was at marvel he was at dc you know he went back to dc he was at charlton and you know the the people that you touch over that time i understand that uh he taught over at manhattan school of visual arts at one point i mean you know he wasn't just uh, writing for these companies he was editing i mean he was mentoring you know there there's there's so many people that you have the opportunity uh to uh touch and to interact with and you know to to sort of shape i mean some of the uh, great comics talents that he brought in. I mean, this is, I mean, I, I just, I don't know how you, how you quantify that, you know, in terms of, you know, a legacy other than to say, yeah, you know, this guy, this guy had an impact and, um, you know, how many of us are fortunate enough to be able to say that the stuff that we've done while we're here uh, is going to outlive us. And uh, that's one of the things that I love about comics. Um, in, in many ways, I mean, a comic book is always the same. I mean, the world around you changes, but 
you pick up a comic and I, and I've had, I'm sure we've all had this experience, but you know, especially if it's one that you've read at some distant point in the past, you start turning those pages and it takes you back to that moment when you first picked it up and you feel what you felt. I mean, there's, there's this connection, you know, through, uh, through the newsprint and, uh, you know, the, the comic reading a comic book has always been a very tactile experience for me, even though I have acquiesced to a certain degree. And now I can, I can read digital comics and comics online and all this stuff. But, um, but holding one and turning the pages and, you know, the smell of it and the feel of it in your hand, um, you know, it's just, it, for me, it, it takes you back to that, to that sweet shop with the spinner rack. And, you know, you're trying to figure out, you know, with your meager dollar fifty or dollar and a quarter, you know, which of these, which of these masterpieces am I going to take home? <laughs> It's going to enrich my life. And how sad am I going to be to have to leave something here on the spinner rack? You know, anyway, uh, look, we are we are almost out of time. But, um, you know, just real quick, uh, I would like to be able, um, you know, if I mean, sort of uh, last words uh, on a man and uh, and a career, uh, you know, give each of us a, a real quick uh, opportunity to, to kind of close out and summarize our thoughts. Uh, Ed, please start. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, I think one thing maybe we could I could add to the conversation is we hosted him at a uh, booth that I had at New York Comic Con a few years ago. Uh, he and Mary Fran, his wife at, at at the time, was still with us, and he he we set it up so he autographed for gee, I think just like an hour one day or an hour two days, and the crowds were phenomenal. Like the folks who lined up, you know, with their Batmans, their Azriels, their Daredevils, um, there were a lot of folks who were excited to see him and excited to uh, let him know how much they um, his his writing meant to them. Um, th that was pretty special to see, and um, you know, I think that that we're we're all seeing that now again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear you, Andrew. Yeah, uh, I'll mention so Danny and and when comic book fans hear this date it'll, it'll resonate with them but Denny was born in May 1939 so he came into the world uh, this time and his passing really does mark the end of an era I don't think we'll ever see anyone um, like that again who's going to have that impact on publishing on uh, comics on um Creativity on on popular fiction, um, and yeah, we'll we'll miss him. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And Drew, uh, you get the last word. Hey, um, it's it's so sad to you know, try and sum up the life of this one guy in so few words and in such a short amount of time. I mean, he had a tremendous impact on all of us in ways that we we know, ways that we don't know and on the world around us as well. And I think that very, very few people have the opportunity to make that kind of, of impact in the world. And what I think I, I go back to is the fact that he obviously had enormous empathy for people, enormous understanding and compassion for people, that he wanted real justice 
for everyone. He wanted fairness, and he thought superheroes were a way to express that desire, and that he he had this need to tell stories, and he had this need to, you know, try and bring about the change in the world that he wanted to see in in the medium that was the one that he loved best. So, I mean, I don't know what I, what I can say about him other than he was one of a kind, we'll never see anyone like him again, and we're all the richer for having had him in our lives. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Hey, and so I, I promised I was going to give everybody uh, a moment to kind of plug themselves and uh, let the audience know where they could be found and followed. Drew, you are already talking. You might as well keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Um, I don't have any projects going at the moment, but I'm going to be doing some uh, creative writing. I want to get back to doing that. I've got an idea in mind for a trilogy set in a rather unconventional superhero universe based on some work I've done previously that was previously published. And um, I hope to be able to tell more about that as we get a little closer to getting it done. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. All right. Um, Ed, what about you? Uh, where can people find you? Uh, what uh, uh, if, if there's something in particular that you would like to share uh, that uh, our audience might be interested in? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll go fast, but I, I, I've got a lot of cool things going on right now. Um, people can find me every week at Pop Culture Squad. I do a weekly column called With Further Ado. Um, also still do some work for Comic Mix, where Denny O'Neill was a fellow columnist as well. Um, I'm, I'm working on a couple of articles for Back Issue Magazine, published by Tomorrow's. Please do support them. Um, that publisher's been clobbered by this lockdown, and they do great stuff. Just came out with a Pirates book from Clover Press uh, and Yo Books. We reprinted old Golden Age uh, pirate stories, pirate comics, and it's a who. It's an absolute who. Great um, artists like Frazetta and Reed Crandall. And I just contributed to Jim Beard's anthology all about uh, the first season of the Batman TV show called uh, uh, Zlonk, Zlonk Zowie Zow, and um, it's, uh, it, 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 it's a lot of fun, and there's a lot of great folks in that party, too. Thank you. All right, and uh, Andrew, please, uh, where can people find you, follow you? Uh, what uh, can people pick up maybe that uh, you were working on, have worked on? And I'm, I'm actually working on my essay for the, the second volume of that Batman series, edited by Jim Beard. So I'm writing a, uh, about a Catwoman part for that. Uh, but generally, uh, you can find me at the Cartoon Art Museum's website, cartoonart.org. Uh, it's the best way to keep tabs on me. Also, andrewfarago.com for uh, my side projects, including... Um, you know, various, various things on, on uh, comic books and animation. But uh, yeah, cartoonart.org is probably the best place to track me down. Thank you, sir. And of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. If you happen to be in the Arlington area, you can catch it tonight on Arlington Independent Media, Comcast Channel 69, Verizon Fios Channel 38. We're on, on Saturdays and Sundays in that area. Check your local listings for the station in your area. And of course, the radio show re-airs each and every Thursday at 3 p.m. in addition to the Saturday at 4 p.m. time slot. And if you can't get enough of Fantastic Forum, and of course, nobody can get enough of Fantastic Forum, we can go to the website at fantasticforum.tv. 
There are complete episodes of the television show and the radio show. We have segments of the TV show broken out so you can check out the interviews and the toy and game profiles and the special features and all the fun. And be sure to tune in again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. In the meantime, you be safe, be careful, do the right thing because this virus is still with us and uh, we want to try and flatten the curve and keep everybody safe and healthy. Have a great weekend, people.